Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Seasons change and our love went cold. Feed the flames because we can't let go. Run away, but we're running in circles. Run away, run away, run away. Double faced, double faced. Something about double faced cards. That's right. We are actually talking about double faced cards today. Modal double faced cards. Modal DFCs. Too many names for this, but there's only one name for this podcast, and it's the Command Zone Podcast. Uh, you're watching and listening it to it. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. This is the best, best start ever. <laughs> I like how we were singing the song with both had to pause because we didn't actually know, know the, the lyrics, lyrics for that middle part. Yeah. Up, yeah. <laughs> uh, how's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Yeah, we promised it. Here it is. We're doing an entire episode about the modal double face cards. It's not quite as complicated mm-hmm. as the mutate mechanic, but <laughs> it's still fairly complicated. There's some corner cases. We're going to go over the rules. Then we're going to talk about the individual cards. Um, these are the cards, again, that new to this set, new to Magic. Um, they have a land on one side, and then on the other side, they have could be a land, could be a creature, sorcery, instant, and you choose when you play the card which side of the card you're playing. Yeah, really interesting stuff. Op- opens up a lot of options for gameplay, and I think it's going to be pretty interesting for players to figure out, and we'll talk about this, how many of these cards you can put into your deck without destroying the integrity of it. And of course, when you're going to do that, you're going to need these cards. You're going to need to purchase them. You're going to need to put them into awesome, awesome decks of yours. And to do that, please head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our affiliate link. Card Kingdom is your number one place if you're going to want to pick up new singles, sealed products, and more. Zendikar Rising is here and also on the way, Commander Legends. There's going to be a ton of stuff that's getting reprinted, hopefully. And there's also going to be lots of cards for you to purchase. So you support the show. You're going to buy the cards anyway. Head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. It's as simple as that. And when you do get your hands on these cards you know you're going to want to protect them uh especially if you're buying like set boosters yeah. or collector boosters where you get the showcase art or the full frame art or whatever all this stuff is foils there's expeditions <laughs> in this set you don't want any of that stuff to get messed up and the best way to protect all of your game pieces is by using ultra pro products you know they came out we've been talking about them a lot recently with the pro gloss eclipse sleeves yes. so that you're especially for foils it's really really good because yeah. they maintain their vibrancy they really look great in those sleeves but 
they have that classic eclipse protection where they're not going to get messed up. Your eclipse sleeves are going to last forever. And that shuffle feel, yes. that perfect shuffle feel that only Ultra Pro gives you. I think that's my favorite shuffling feel in the game. Yeah. I've tried a lot of sleeves out and some of them, it, it's a little rougher, like they've got matted edges in the back. No, these sleeves are slick. Smooth. Smooth. Like butter. We like keep butter, saying. but do not put butter anywhere near your cards. Yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> uh, and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can contribute to Extra Turns, Game Nights, this podcast all at once. You also get access to Extra Turns and Game Nights before the general public. You get to see it early and you get to see it ad free. Yeah. A bunch of perks. And that's at Patreons or patrons at any level mm -hmm. get that perk. So, uh, and there are other perks like talking to Jimmy and I in our Discord. Definitely, if you go to patreon.com slash command zone, um, you can check that out and it really does help our content out. And we shout out one lucky patron every single episode. So this episode is dedicated, dedicated to Bobby Ends. And there's actually one more sweet perk to being oh, a wait, patron. Wait. Bobby. Oh, yeah. You Bobby. rock. Yeah, you rock. In fact, Bobby, you rock because you also get this last final sweet perk. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, probably thought, you probably <laughs> thought we weren't going to do that this year. Um, obviously, with the pandemic and everything, it's kind of messed up our schedule. But we are running auditions once again for your chance to be a guest on Game Nights. You know, we get thousands of emails yes. every single year ask, with people asking, like, saying, I love Game Nights. I, I want to be on the show. How do I get on the show? Here's how you do it. You have to be a patron of the Command Zone. Again, patreon.com slash Command Zone. And that's it. That's the only bar that you yeah. have to clear. You don't have to be at any certain reward tier. If you give as little as $1 per month, you will be eligible to audition for the show. And we have a post on our Patreon page that gives you all the details about how to enter to become a guest on the show to audition. Yeah. I, the only other restriction is that you do need to be above the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And this is because of legal requirements. But you can be from around the world, international. That's no worries. Uh, so definitely check out the Patreon. Uh, and the other people that have qualified would be the ones that contributed to our Game Nights Kickstarter last year at the right tier. But don't worry. We're going to make sure that everyone gets in. We'll get in contact with everyone. And uh, people always ask us, so I'll just answer this question. They ask about timing. Like, when are you going to shoot that episode? Because people are like, oh, I have a vacation oh, right. planned for next year. And they want to know... Here's the thing. Once we choose who uh, the guest is based on the additions, then we work with that person to figure out a date that's going to work. So don't worry. We'll figure it out because it's not like we're going to record it, you know, two weeks after we pick the person is going to come out right away. <laughs> this takes a, a lot of time. Yeah. So we'll work with you on the scheduling. Yep. And, you know, some of my favorite episodes of Game Nights in the past couple of years have been the fan ones. So we very much look forward to seeing all of your additions. All right. Let's go into the main topic, the modal double face cards. MDFCs for short. <laughs> Again, new cards. There lands on at least one side. Uh, some are lands on both sides. Yep. And then when you play the card, you can choose which side you're playing. So we're going to use uh, Bane Veil as our example card. Jimmy, you want to read it? Yeah. So Bane Veil is one of the Molo Double Face cards that is a land on the back, but actually a spell on the front. On the front, it is one in a blue for an instant. And it says creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus O until end of turn. And if you look at the bottom left of the card, it has a little arrow pointing to the other side saying land. And it gives the idea of what's going to be on the other side. So if you flip it over, it becomes Bane Coast which is a land that enters the battlefield tapped and you can tap it to add a blue mana and again if you look in the bottom left of this side of the card it'll show you that's an instant from one in blue on the other side 
So these are different than double face cards we've had in the past, which usually have a clear side that is the front side mm-hmm. uh, that you're playing every time you play the card. And then you meet some kind of condition yeah. and it flips over to the other side. And the other side doesn't have like a mana cost or oh, often, a way yeah. to play it. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this is the flip side of the werewolf or whatever it is. Yeah, this is the first time we've seen a card where it's like, listen, it has two sides. And when you play it, you can choose either side. You don't have to chip you know do the the instant side and then somehow get it flipped over or something this is like okay in a certain search situations i want to give uh creatures my opponent's control negative two negative oh i'm going to cast that as an instant but if it's turn two and i don't have another land drop then never mind i'm just going to play this as the land side the bane coast side Mm -hmm. and then it's just a land that comes into play tapped um we're going to talk about sort of the power of that flexibility probably throughout this episode but Mm -hmm. but Seems pretty simple on its surface, right? Yeah, very simple in in just like telling you about it. It's a card that you can choose what side to play when you play it. However, in Magic, there are so many little corner cases and things that care about the card, CMCs, what kind of card it is. So we're going to break all of that down today, as well as go through each of the colors and what cards are Molo Double Face cards in those colors and do a little bit of a sort of a mini set review for them. And yeah, we didn't mention any of these in our normal set review. We were saving them for this episode. So we'll do kind of a look at the cards, the Modal Double face cards that we think are going to sort of be playable in commander as we go through this process of explaining sort of how they work as well but this is cool though because i think for commander players these are very interesting there are new ways to play lands and like we always say magic lands are some of the most important cards in the game and now you're getting ways to do it in a way that gives you a little more flexibility which is great all right so we're going to go through some rule stuff first here and make sure that everybody's on the same page about how these work the first rule note i guess is that each double face card has an icon in the top top left corner of each face for modal double face cards in this set these icons are a single triangle for the front face and a double triangle for the back face these icons have no effect on gameplay so if you're watching the youtube video right now if you look at bane veil and then simultaneously we'll show the backside at the same time here bane coast you can see bane veil has one triangle in the top left and bane coast has two triangles in the top left that's only to tell you which is supposed to be the front face the front the default face the front face matters for certain other interactions with yes. other cards also when you're like reshuffling your deck back up you need and you for instance took it out of a sleeve you need to make sure it goes back into that side as well right, <laughs> right. um so Except for the ones that are lands on both sides, the front side is always the spell side. So in all cases, again, besides the ones that are lands on both sides, if it's a spell on one side, that's going to be the front side. Mm-hmm. And it could be a sorcery, it could be a creature, it could be an instant. Um, I think that's all that they have. Uh, but no, yeah, en- Is there enchantment? There might I don't be. know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, we just have creatures, instants, and sorceries right now for the spell side. Okay, so um, the next sort of rule point is a double-faced card's color identity is determined by the mana costs and mana symbols in the rules text of both faces combined. If either face has a color indicator or basic land type, those are also considered. So this is similar to how double-faced cards have worked previously. Yep. Uh, However, in this case, because a lot of these are lands on both sides or on one side, the CMC is not going to be added up because it's just zero in this case. Um, But for instance, let's say a, a land has a white symbol on one side and blue on the other side. You can't play that in a deck that does not have blue and commander, if that makes sense, because both sides of the cards are considered for color identity. Just like the the double-faced Avacyn is red and white. Right. That's similar to how these cards work. The yep. Color identity-wise 
basically the same as previous double face cards. Okay, next rules note. Each face of a double face card has its own set of characteristics, names, types, subtypes, abilities, and so on. While a double face card is on the stack or battlefield, consider only the characteristics of the face that is currently up. The other set of characteristics is ignored. So once you cast Bane Veil as an instant that says creatures your opponents control get negative two, negative O until end of turn, from that point, it's on the stack and it is now an instant. Yep. You do not consider the land part of it. If it says, if there's something that affects lands, that does not get affected. Obviously, you cannot cast a land either. So on the stack, this cannot be a land. It has to be Bane Veil the instant. Now, if you uh, play the land side and enters the battlefield as a land, you can't then interact with the instant side of the card again. Only the <laughs> land side matters. Like, like if you well, let's say, let's take one that was a creature on one side and the land on the other. Right. You play the land side, and now it's on the battlefield. It is only considered a land. If you had a card that said destroy target creature, you can't point it at the land uh, just because there's a creature on the other side. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the moment it leaves your hand, and you essentially say, "This is what I intend to do with this card," because that's your choice to cast it as a spell or play it as a land. That's what it becomes on the stack. Um, okay. And lands don't use the stack, so that's also sort of how to make sure that this does not create a massive rules complicated situation. Right, you don't want to be negating their land play. Right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right, the next rules point is to determine whether it is legal to play a modal double face card, consider only the characteristics of the face you're playing and ignore the other face's characteristics. For example, you can cast Bane Veil if you've already played a land for the turn, right? It doesn't cast, it right. doesn't count as your land drop for turn, even though there's a land on one side of it. And you could play Bane Coast, the land side of it, even if there's an effect in place that stops you from casting instant spells. Yeah. So again, this is the same idea as sort of the last rule, which is when you play or cast this card, if someone's like, oh, players can't cast more than one spell this turn, you can still play Bane Coast as a land because it does not count as a spell, if that makes sense. Let's see if you've already cast something that turn. Yep. Um, Next up, in hand... Graveyard, Library, or Exile, modal double-faced cards have the characteristics of the front face only. And so that's this is face. when they're not on the stack, yes. not in play. Now they are just considered the front face, yeah. the, the instant side, the non-land side, except for, again, the cards that are lands on both sides. Yeah, so that's in your hand, in your graveyard, in your library, or in Exile. Basically, the back side of it does not exist. It's just the front side. So the example here is if uh, you have an effect that's searching your library for a land card, you know, to put it into play. Right. Or like uh, or someone's crying or something. Yeah. yeah. You can't find a modal double-faced card whose front face isn't a land. So you could not find Bane Veil with an expedition map. Yep. Because it is just an instant when it's anywhere but the battlefield or when you decide to play it, basically. Now, this gets slightly complicated, though, because there's going to be another rules point, which we're going to talk about next, which <laughs> will seem to contradict this in some ways. So... Here it is. If an effect allows you to play, important specifically play, a specific modal double face card, you may cast it as a spell or play it as a land as determined by which face you choose to play. If an effect allows you to cast rather than play a specific modal double face card, you cannot play it as a land. So the important word to look for on other cards that maybe are affecting this is the word play. Yes, play versus cast. You can play a land, you cannot cast a land. Right, so Crucible of Worlds, the biggest winner from Zendikar Rising, the card we're talking about constantly in all the mm-hmm. set reviews, Crucible of Worlds allows you to play uh, lands from your graveyard, right? And that means you can play 
the card, the modal double face cards, even if it's not the front side, Ramana Excavator and Muldrotha um, also fit this bill. So that means Bane Veil, you cast it, gave all your opponent's creatures negative two, negative oh until end of mm-hmm. turn, and it's sitting in your graveyard. We know that the earlier thing said, well, in my graveyard, it's only the front facing side. But Crucible allows you to play lands from your graveyard. Yes. It allows you to play the land side only of being coast, not being veil. Yep, because when you're looking at it in your graveyard, you can, again, when you, it's as though it's in your hand, right? Yep. You can play this card from your hand and you can choose what it is. So if it's in your graveyard as Bane Veil, Crucible of the World sees it and says, well, you can actually do both of it. So this does count as playing a land because it is a land on the other side. It's a little complicated, but the big differentiator is just play versus cast. But because Crucible of the World says you can play lands from your graveyard, you cannot play the instant side mm-hmm. of Bane Veil. Uh, I, this is the part that gets a little bit interesting and, and tough for people yeah, to understand. Yeah, you can't cast the spell side of it. You yeah. can only play the land side of it, which is a little interesting. It's it's tough to understand. Okay, so similarly, there are cards that allow you to play the top card of your library if they meet a certain characteristic. So Corsair of Crufix allows you to play the land side off the top of your library, again, even if it's not the front side. So Bane Vale now is the top card of your library. Jimmy, you have a Corsair of Crufix makes you reveal the top card of your mm-hmm. library and you may play that card if it's a land. Yes, and if this is technically is a land, uh, but however, it's only a land on its backside. I can't cast Bane Veil off course of Krufix, but I can say, okay, I'm going to play that, choosing to have it enter the battlefield as the backside, as the mold double face card, as the Bane Coast, and it comes into play tapped. Yep. And again, the life. Now, if an effect allows you to cast an instant spell from your graveyard, you could cast Bane Veil yes. from your graveyard, but you couldn't choose to play it as a land instead. Yeah, you can't snap cast your mage, choose Bane Veil, and have it enter as a land. You can only cast it as an instant at that point. Because again, you cannot cast lands. Yes. So if a, if a card allowed you to play an instant off the top of your library, or sorry, cast an instant off yeah. the top of your library, same thing, you wouldn't be able to play the land side. Yeah, so again, the big word here is that you can play lands. You cannot cast them as lands or not spells. They don't use the stack. As a result, a Molo double face cards, which count as both when, in, like, in a, when it's legally able to be played, then you can choose... You're like, all right, I'm going to play it as a land. It's a little complicated. A little but complicated, but that is it how it works. Sense. Okay. Yeah. All right. The next, uh, you want to read the yeah. next rules point? If an effect puts a double-faced card onto the battlefield, it enters with its front face up. If that front face can't be put onto the battlefield, it doesn't enter the battlefield. So, for example, if an effect exiles Bane Veil and returns it to the battlefield, let's say a ghostly flicker when it's on the land side, by Bane, Bane Coast. Coast. Yeah. So you ghostly flicker, it exiles, and then it returns it to the battlefield. It's going to re- try and return it to the front facing side, bam, which bam, is bam. an instant side. So you can't return an instant to the battlefield. Yeah. It just remains in exile. Yeah. Because when it comes back, and this is the same with the flip planeswalkers and any of those other cards, when you exile or flicker those cards, they don't come back on their flip side. Yep. They come back on their front side only. And then it says, well, this is not a legal thing to come back because it's not a permanent. So it just remains in exile. Mm-hmm. So that is a way, you know, maybe to deal with some moto double face cards in some instances. Yeah. Finding a way to bounce it or flicker it or whatever it is. Yeah. So this is also a way, though, to quote unquote break these cards, right? Because some are creatures or permanents on the front side, mm-hmm. in which case if you played it as land and later could ghostly flicker it, you could get it into the battlefield without paying its mana cost, sort of, right? To back yeah. to the front side. You could sort of flip it back over. Yeah. Um, yeah. There aren't any modal double face cards that are sort of broken 
on their front facing permanent sides. I think they were careful about this. Yeah, so. to not have it so busted that like it's a it's a ten mana creature spell. Yeah. It's like, ha ah, easy, I'll play it as a land and then flicker it for three mana. Yeah, then Ami not to it, right? She yeah. Flicker lands or ghostly flicker is another good one. So there's not a at, at current a good um, incentive to try and break it in that way. Yeah. I think they were aware of it, which is It's good. still cute, and you definitely yeah. can still do it, and you'll get some value off it if you, you know, I'm sure in some corner cases, it's like, oh, wow, that was really awesome, but it's not like a break the game. Yeah. Shouldn't have allowed you to do that. Um, all right, you want to read the next one? Yeah. Okay, the converted mana cost of a modal double face card is based on the characteristics of the face that is being considered. So it's on the stack on the battlefield, consider whichever face is up. In all other zones, consider only the front face. And this is different than how the converted mana cost of a transforming double face card is determined. So this comes up because uh, specifically like Eureka yes. cares about you know, you reveal cards off the top of your library and then deal that much damage to each of your opponents off Eureka's trigger. To the converted mana cost, yeah. Yeah, so if you reveal, and some of these do have high CMC, a high CMC card, it will deal that much damage, even though you're like, okay, then I put that in my hand and play it as my land for turn. Uh-huh. Um, which makes some of these pretty good, specifically in Eureka. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you get the upside of being able to do a lot of damage to everybody without the downside of, like, that card is stranded in my hand now because I can cast yeah. it, yeah. So that's pretty, pretty interesting. interesting. Same with uh, Yenit, uh, oh, yeah. Cryptic Sovereign, who cares about what the CMC is of the top card of your deck. Um, uh, okay. We only have a couple more rules points here. Uh, the next one is a modal double-faced card can't be transformed or put onto the battlefield transformed. So ignore any instruction to transform a modal double-faced card or put it onto the battlefield transformed. Yeah, transformed does not apply to modal DFCs. Uh, in this case, these are just cards that have the ability for you to cast or play either side. They're not like, transform this card by flipping it over and meeting a certain condition. Yeah, just because the physical act of of taking the card and putting its front si- or its backside up mm-hmm. is similar doesn't mean they act as if they are transformed cards. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, and then the last sort of bullet point rule thing here we're going to talk about is if an effect instructs a player to choose a card name, like a Nevermore type effect, uh, the name of either face may be chosen. Mm -hmm. If that effect or a linked ability refers to a spell with the chosen name being cast and or a land with the chosen name being played, it considers only the chosen name, not the other face's name. So if you choose a card name, say this card can't be cast in its Bane Veil, I can still play Bane Coast as my land. You just can't cast Bane Veil. Right. So they've sort of limited you to the one side of the card that does not have the name that you named. Right. Yeah, this card is not called... You wouldn't say, like, you can't cast Bane Veil slash Bane Coast. You you can only name one side of it, sort of like with your spy glasses and all that. Okay, so here's a question a lot of people are asking. How does Ixadron work with modal double face cards one of your favorite cards jimmy yeah this card's great uh let's read ixadron three blue blue for a star star creature illusion as ixadron enters the battlefield turn all other non-token creatures face down they are two two creatures ixadron's power and toughness are each equal to the number of face down creatures on the battlefield great with that sort of anamorph deck that i played on game that's a long time ago but how does it work if it's a creature that all of a sudden when you turn it upside down there's a land on the other side right so a lot of people are like does this you know, turn all these creatures into lands for my opponents and they're just kind of stuck there. Yeah. Um, so it's similar to what we were saying about transform cards. Although the physical action is the same, transforming is not the same as being turned face down. So double face cards are always face up. They are never face down. And if, if an effect tries to turn a double face card face down, nothing happens. So Ixodron will not flip. Yeah. So maybe that's a that's a thing. You should play all the creatures that are MDFCs and then play Ixodron and be like, none of my stuff flips because it can't. 
Yeah, it seems a little uh, <laughs> cute. Magical Christmas? Yeah, yeah definitely cute. cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the... So that's that's all the rules we're going to go over here. There's uh, an article from Wizards of the Coast, which we'll uh, link in the show notes. It goes a little bit more on depth. Yep. Um, but let's talk about the actual cards here, the specific cards. Um, we're going to start with the cycle. Cycle? There's six of them. Yeah, it's still a cycle, right? It's, yeah, there's. It's interesting because they have three ally pairs and three enemy pairs of these special lands. But these are sort of the hallmark. Oh my gosh, look at these commander players. These are really interesting. I think there's actually six of every color mm-hmm. too. So that maybe it's something with like the way you print the sheets where oh, they need certain amounts. I don't know. Anyway, there are six of uh, lands that are lands on both sides, and what they are is. A monocolor land on one side and a monocolor land on the other side. They're rare. They do not enter the battlefield tapped. Uh, yeah. The untapped thing is really great. But yeah. this is kind of... These are choice lands, right? You choose at the time you play it which side is going to be face up. And then that side is just going to be face up unless you can pull some weird trickery mm-hmm. with ghostly flickers, Aminatu type stuff. Um, otherwise, it's not like uh, a guild gate or something that could tap for one of either color from then on out. Yeah. But uh, there is the upside that they are... Uh, Come into play untapped. Let's read, I guess, one or two of these. Um, Needle Verge Pathway is a land. It taps to add red mana. That's the front face. The back face, which is triangle, triangle. That's how we know it's the back face. It's called Pillar Verge Pathway. That's a land that taps for white mana. So this is a Boros choice land. Yep, and there's going to be a Boros one, a Izzet, a uh, Orzhov, as well as Gruul, and Demir, and then finally, Selesnya. Hey, good job. Oh, gosh, my brain <laughs> was like, oh, no, why did I start doing this? Uh, the pattern that they made these is they're all called pathways. So, for instance, the one we just read, Needle Verge Pathway, Pillar Verge Pathway, they'll only change the first word in each. So, Needle Verge to Pillar Verge, River Glide to Lava Glide, Bright Climb to Grim Climb. Um, that's just an easier way of sort of understanding how they did the naming conventions. But... Overall, I mean, I I think these are actually pretty sweet um, just because there are a lot of times when you're drawing cards and you're like, crap, I need to have, I wish this was a dual land because I actually need black instead of blue right now. Well, these lands give you that option of sort of filling in that slot as well as not being traditional dual lands and costing a bajillion dollars, but potentially being a lot more accessible to players and helping smooth out their mana bases. Yeah, I think these are probably better than like Guild Gates and Refuge lands and lands that tap for two different colors of mana. Um, but come into play tapped. Yeah. And not saying that you don't run those still, right? I think you still have a balance because obviously if you only have these kinds of lands then you're going to miss out on some colors a lot of time. Yeah, there's definitely some downside of these lands too because I can play, let's say the Gruel one and I choose the green side and then two turns later I realize... Oh, I wish I had a little more red mana because I drew yeah. a force in between now and then. But it's it's sort of stuck on that green side in most instances. Um, and it's hard to sort of flip it back over. Whereas if you had a guild gate in that same instance, yeah, it came and play tap that one turn. But from then on, I have access to both colors at all times. The, yeah. un, the untapped thing, though, does make it very powerful because guild gates have that really big downside of like, oh, man, I really need to draw my fifth mana so I can play my commander on time. And you draw it and you're like, guild it's gate. a tap land. Yeah. Oops. So now I play it and I still can't play my five drop i have to play a four drop or less and you have to wait three turn cycles before it gets back to you right three other players so if you draw on one of these choice lands then all of a sudden you can play it it mm-hmm. comes into play on tap so it's similar to a basic land in that case they don't have land types they're not fetchable so there's all these things to weigh when you're considering yeah. how good these are because it's like oh 
cultivates and Kodama's Reach can't go get these things. Fetchlands can't go get these things. But at the same time, they don't come into play tapped and they do offer me flexibility that's above of, uh, a normal basic land, right? Like a mountain can't sometimes come into play as a plane. <laughs> True. Which this can. Um, I think like most decks that have a healthy amount of basic lands are going to want to put one or two of these in though because if you have, you know, unless you're taking out your one of your last like six basic lands, most of the time having access to one of these choice lands in a basic land slot or two is just going to increase your how smooth your game goes overall yeah and there aren't that many decks that are like if you have x basic lands then you're rewarded for this right you know like a lot of the mono red decks will play uh the uh the lens that allows you extra, extra lens, lens. yeah then. but in that case you know that's a little different because that's a monocolor deck and these are all yeah. double colored so for the most part you're right if you have a lot of basics in there you're very rarely going to be like oh shucks wish i had that basic in there unless your deck is mono just evolving wilds unless somebody played blood moon or back to basics or uh, something. Yeah. yeah yeah but but a lot of the time you're like great this is awesome it gives me access to yep. blue right now and that's what i want whereas if i drew my other basic land of the other color so yeah i can see i think i'm probably switching out some basics in all of my decks just about that are three color or more maybe some two color actually two color decks have a lot of basics so i'm probably switching out at least one of them for the one yeah. that fits obviously we don't have the last four of these but we're anticipating that we're going to have the full cycle by the end of the next couple of sets they've they've said they're going to be doing more yeah. of these mdfcs uh, which is alert. exciting by the yeah. way uh yeah and i'm interested to see as well this definitely requires some testing to see exactly how well they flow in your decks and if it's like you know what actually in the three color deck you rarely want to run these or whatever it is mm-hmm. but i think definitely in two color and well, definitely two color. Yeah, <laughs> as I think, there are two. Yeah, two I think most three colors, as long as you have like above ten basic lands, at least one of the basic lands switching out for one of these is going to be good, and probably two. Yeah, I mean, most excitingly, I think this just makes land bases slightly more accessible. Again, more yeah. more lands in this world. They're not like full on functional reprints of the dual lands, but there are they are interesting, and of course, they give us an entire episode because now there are different things you can do with them. All right, now let's talk about the the cards by color here we're going to go in the opposite order that we did the set review so everybody gets their due so we're going to start with blue the best color this time (laughs) um there again there are six mdfcs in each color but we're not going to talk about all of them um we're going to talk about probably four or five in each color yeah the best ones Uh, a lot of them are also you know sort of like the made for the limited environment more so and so we're going to talk about the ones that we think impact commander the most uh each color does have one modal dfc that is a mythic that is on a spell on one side and a land on the other and these are different because these are the only ones that give you the ability on the other side to come into play untapped but you have to pay three life so they're like a a lightning bolt a bolt land yeah not a shock land, bolt land. but they only have for one mana but the upside is that the other side is a powerful mythic spell usually right so there's three basically types of mdfcs the lands on both sides mm-hmm. and those tap for a single color coming in tapped then there are the mythic rares one for each color and those have a spell on one side and then a land on the other that can come into play untapped if you pay three life. And then all the other ones, they're a spell on one side and a land on the other side that must come into play tapped. Yep, and those rare from rare to uncommon to, I believe, commons. Are there commons? Yeah, I think so, but we're not going to mention them. Okay. Um, uh, the nice thing, though, is that they did say that in every single Zendikar Rising booster pack, there is going to be at least one modal double face card. So it could be a mythic, it could be a rare, it could be an uncommon. And they're really good in draft, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Absurd. It's like, hey, I can suddenly play 15 lands in my draft deck and not feel too bad about right. it. And Crazy. simultaneously play 27 spells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so let's start off with the mythic rare from blue, Jimmy. All right. It is Seagate Restoration. The Seagate, very important in the Zendikar world. It's four blue, blue, blue for a sorcery. 
Draw your draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one. You have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. So this is a seven mana sort of windfall esque, but also you know now you don't, you don't have any land, hand size restrictions. And you don't discard the cards in your hand. You just draw. Yeah. You just double your hand size. Yep. Um, yeah, seven mana is a lot. And then the other side, of course, is Seagate Reborn, right. which is a land, and it enters the battlefield. Um, untapped if you pay three life and it taps for blue yep if you don't pay three life it enters the battlefield tapped remember you don't have to pay the three life if you don't have yeah the you can just use have of the mana land. there's often a turn where you're like oh i have a four drop and no five drop i'm gonna play this land tapped and play my four drop which would be the same because if i played an untapped land i would still only use four mana so, yeah yeah and in this case too it's like i don't have another land in my hand i have to hit a land drop okay fine i don't need the spell side of this and the spell side of it is definitely overcosted. i think seven mana for that effect is pretty high up there um but that doesn't mean that's a bad card because yuriko players around the world all screamed and yep. rejoiced when they saw this this is a seven mana card you can flip off the top of your library with yuriko's trigger deal seven damage to everyone and then at that point you decide if you need to cast it later on the game or just play it as a land you're almost certainly playing as a land most times but it's totally worth it because it did three damage to you maybe yeah totally. and seven damage to each of your opponents so we'll, you'll take it yeah um one of the big cards that we're probably gonna mention a few times is kefnet the mindful or any card that says you can return a land to your hand um, Kefnet does that for three in the blue. You draw, and then you can you may return a land you control to its owner's hand. So you can rebuy these DFCs for later on if you want to cast their spell side. Very powerful because you, yeah, use this as a land early. And spoiler alert, you should basically never hold these cards. Yeah, um, as spell, if, as especially the really if you're going to miss a land drop, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. If totally. you're going to miss a land drop, then play these as a land every single time. And definitely play them as a land if you have that efficiency I was talking about where I can't use my mana. Otherwise, this right. is going to come into play tapped. So use your tap land in that case where it's not going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. um, but very powerful to just bounce it back to your hand later with something like Kefnet and replay it as a spell. Yeah, and I think seven mana is still, again, very much on the top side. So I would see this being more on the casual sides of things unless you're able to ramp out to that seven mana pretty quickly, I think. I mean, it's the flexibility is just a huge thing. It doesn't cost you that much to yeah. play it as a land in your deck. Where you, and you're basically saying, like, it's going to be a land 90% of the time that I play it. But 10% of the time, I'm going to activate that other thing and do something really cool with it. Yeah, draw a ton of cards. Yeah. Even if it's like, crap, I need to, you know, refill my hand. I only have a few cards in here. Yeah, I'm in Locust God, and it's going to give me, you know, 20 Locusts. And that's going to be pretty sweet and probably allow me to win the game. Or, yep. you know, Yenit is another card we're going to mention here because it's odd CMC. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to maybe flip it off the top of my library and cast it for free. But if I draw it at another point in time and I'm not using Yenit, then all of a sudden I can just play it as land and it didn't it was, it was a huge cmc spell yeah, that, actually really good in yet it yeah didn't cast it for free um, um all the wheel decks you know this is a type of deck that i think you consider right because you're already getting bonuses off of drawing a lot of cards in those decks yep um and then there's also of course this sort of classic laboratory maniac jace wielder of mysteries and thassa's oracle uh this is the kind of card that lets you win the game typically sort of draw out the rest of your deck you have a ton of cards in your hand whatever it is you're going to draw that last card as though it wasn't there and then those cards will trigger their abilities and boom you win the game yeah, right. I can see that going in all those decks. It might even say, just have a home in CDH decks just because of that. Not that, like, it's normally going to be used as that, but just most of the time I'm going to play as land, but one out of 100 games, this might yeah. win me the game in a spot. I mean, Yeah, and in awful. CDH, too, like, a, you know, a three-life loss is not significant, I don't think. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. They usually don't die to life loss like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let, let me ask you a question, Jimmy. 
is this card playable with no synergies in your deck? So it's not a Yenna mm. deck. It's not a Eureka deck. It's not a Wheel deck. You're not playing Lab Man, Thassa's Oracle. What I mean is, if it's just as a card that you expect to play, you know, 95 times out of 100 as a land that's either tapped or untapped for three life, do you think Seagate Restoration is playable? I think yes. And a lot of it also does depend on whether or not the three life loss is going to be significant. If you're a deck that's just like always going to be losing tons of life, whether or not you just have endless shock lands or whatever it is, then the three life on the backside feels a little rougher. But for the most part, like I can't see why you wouldn't slot this into so many different blue decks. It just gives you the option at seven mana potentially to draw a bunch of cards and get you back into the game. I've known plenty of situations where I look at my hand, I go, well, these are cards that are all playable, but they don't do anything about the current situation. I guess I'll pass turn and hold up some activated abilities. Ooh, it feels bad. Or any games where you're top decking. This is yeah. a great top deck right later in the game. It's much better than just a land. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah. Like, at the very least, it cycles, and you yeah. get more cards out of it. You get two cards you know, or whatever, how many cards you have in your hand. Like, let's say you have, like, three lands. Oh, yeah, it, true. It, you have to have a card in your hand, so not top decking, but, like, yeah, you've but got one like, land in your hand. Yeah, you're, like, sitting there, you're like, crap, I've just got useless spells or just a few cards I don't need. Okay, let's use this here and just get back a little bit. Right, top decking, bad example. But late in the game, when, like you said, a lot of your cards or some of your cards maybe are useless on the current board. Yeah, that's going to be the yeah, interesting like, thing with all these cards, right? Because we just said this card could go any in any deck with blue mm-hmm. right like and it wouldn't be embarrassing because just playing a land that's going to come and play tap sometimes and sometimes cost you three life is not the worst and the fact that there is a, a real upside yeah. to having a spell on the other side yeah yeah certainly not embarrassing that's for sure um okay let's, let's go on to the next on. card which is the rare the, uh, there's one rare and one mythic the rare is basically the same as the uncommons though yep um as far as how it works so this is glass pool mimic on one side and glass pool shore on the other the mimic is two and a blue for a creature shapeshifter rogue zero zero you may have glass pool mimic enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature you control except it's a shapeshifter rogue in addition to its other types and on the other end glass pool shore enters the battlefield tapped and it taps for a blue mana so you can only clone your own creatures. That's important to know. You can't clone your opponent's creatures. Yep. But it's a three-mana clone, which means it's on the cheaper side of clones, yep. typically. Um, and it becomes a land otherwise. And the the land here has to come into play tapped, which I think is a significant downside. Yes. And now we're getting into the realm of, like, I don't know that you want to replace basic lands with lands that must come into play tapped. Uh but this is a pretty significant upside. I would say you're more likely to cast the front side of this than Seagate Restoration oh, in most decks. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Not to mention if you're a deck that has, you know, a bunch of Enter the Battlefield effects. This is pretty nice. How many creatures do you need in your deck before you're considering Glasspool Mimic? 25, 20. Not even that many, I don't think. So a creature... Yeah, I would agree. Somewhere around 20. So any deck that has 20 creatures and is in blue is a candidate to run this card. That's pretty strong. And I think the upside of this is good enough that... Yes, it comes to play tapped on the other side, but I think I'm playing it in a lot of decks. I mean, just having a clone effect in general can be really useful, even if it's as basic as, shoot, I need one more Thopter to block this massive threat that's coming in. Or like, he has Menace, I just need a blocker. So Or I just, uh, you know, cast it on my Sakura Tribe Elder. Yeah. You and know? It's, it's, you have a, you know, you have a commander, so you always know you have at least access to one creature in your deck. Well, yeah, but it's legendary, so you might not want to clone it. True, that's a good point. <laughs> um, good call. Okay, the next one is Juari Disruption. That's uh, one in a blue for an instant counter-target spell unless his controller pays one, and the other side is Juari Ruins, which is actually the animation behind us, oh, nice. um, which is a enter the battlefield, tap land, and taps for a blue. 
Uh, this one kind of is booty. It's not that great. Um, countering a spell unless its controller pays one is only going to be relevant on turns sort of like one, two, three. I don't know. I See, I think this card is actually pretty good. I think narrow cards are good on these because it's very easy to play the land side in right. most games. But when this works, it might save you the game. Like there's very often where like you've got plenty of land drops, you're just holding this in your, in your hand. And it's not like normal uh, force spikes, which are, this is never going to be good. Right. Well, then I just play it as a land side. But in the situation where somebody goes off and just has, you know, they cast exactly that last four like, mana thing, for Smothering yeah. Tithe, and you're like, nope, that's pretty good. I don't know. See, this is where it starts to get hard to evaluate. These maybe cards. it's maybe this card works if you're not necessarily replacing a land with it, because that's going to be something we talk about later. Is if you play these, can you replace your basic land slots for more spells? So now instead of running 37 lands, you're running 35 with two modal DFCs. I don't know if you want to necessarily draw a disruption, but it could be. You know, you are right. There are a lot of times, and I've done this too, where it's like, yeah, I'll just tap out. I've yeah. got you know, I've got perfect mana for this. Feels great. I'm going to pay exactly what I need to cast these things, not anticipating a pay an extra mana and counter it that will counter a lot more things than you think the uh mana tithe which is the white one always gets people partially because you're in white in and white, they don't yeah. expect it yeah but i don't know i think this card is playable and in decks that don't have 20 plus creatures maybe it takes a place of what of the land that glass pool mimic would replace yeah i mean and if you have the ability to buy back if it's an instant sorceries matters deck sort of like this next card which is salundi vision on one side and salundi isle on the other Salundi Vision is 2 and a blue for an instant. Look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal an instant or sorcery card from among them and put it into your hand and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And of course, on the other end, just a enters the battlefield land that taps for blue mana. Again, all these lands come into play battlefield tapped except the mythic, which costs three life. Yeah. Okay, so this can get you an instant or sorcery off the top six cards of your library. Your best instant or sorcery off the top six. It's an instant, costs two and a blue. That's actually decent yeah it's but maybe like one mana overcosted, i would say yeah. but it's also a land on the other side i think this card is way more playable than juari disruption just because it draws you a card at the end of the day you get it, some card selection but it needs to be in an instance and matters sorceries matters deck that's what i was going to say right so glass pool mimic is kind of a card i would put if you've got 20 or more creatures mm -hmm. saloon division is a card i would put where I have 20 to 25 instances or sorceries, sorceries in my deck. Yeah. If I don't meet those two, then maybe Juari Disruption. Because I think running one of these in place of one of your islands is not... Oh, you're not losing out on You're only any gaining, you're, yeah. right? You're, you're gaining this additional thing that you're going to use sometimes, and you're not yeah. losing much from this one tapped land. Now, once we add in more colors and we're considering, you know, oh, I can have a green one of these or a red one of these or a blue one of these, now it starts messing with that calculation. But I think Saloon Division is actually quite a good card in a lot of decks anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, people play Search for Ascanta, which has this ability as one of its, uh, on when it flips to a land side, and it's in control decks and decks that just need to make sure that they always have gas especially because it's an instance um this is i'd say very playable but has to be sort of in your real the everwise or your adelaz the cinder wind your naban dean of iterations sort of type decks mm -hmm. your mizixes all that stuff all your wizard tribal decks all your wizard tribal decks which <laughs> of which there will be many now yeah there already are a lot and there's gonna be more because it's Strixhaven. yeah <laughs> it's coming up soon all right we got the rest of the colors to go through there's a lot of cards left to talk about so don't go anywhere we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, 
Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. All right, we are back, and we are talking about the modal double-faced cards, the brand-new mechanic that is introduced in Zendikar Rising. We just did blue. We talked about some of the rules things, and now we're going to cover the rest of the colors, starting with green. This one's a fun one. So this is the mythic rare from green. It's called Turn Timber Symbiosis. Four green, green, green. Seven mana for sorcery. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield. If that card has converted mana cost three or less, it enters the battlefield with three additional plus one, plus one counters on it. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And again, remember the mythic rares all flip over, or sorry, all have the other side that is land and uh, says it enters the battlefield. You may pay three life. If you don't, it enters the battlefield tapped. And this one taps for a green. So this is um, possibly an untapped land for three life, a bolt land, as you called Mm -hmm. it. The front side... Look at the top seven cards. Put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield. This is cheating of mana cost potentially. And it even gives you kind of like a like a rebate or like a, hey, I'm sorry gift. of like Because <laughs> it's only CMC three or less. Yeah, if you got a small creature, CMC three or less, it's like, well, we'll put three plus one plus yeah, one counters on that thing. It's a little bigger on yeah. it. Uh, yeah, this is it, the first part of it. You're like, yes, yes, yes. And you're like, wait, CMC three or less? Uh, a little less so. Um, however, Collected Company and all those types of cards are very powerful for good reason. There are lots of haymakers that are three CMC or less. You can get Kozilek off of this thing. You can get, you know. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, the thing is, I'd say definitely you just want to you want to play this in like a maelstrom wanderer deck because you cast maelstrom wanderer and then all of a sudden you have yeah all of this holy moly Mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff going on there so um i would say this is also really good in sort of like your savala deck or you can even cast savala off of this which is kind of funny interesting and you get savala out and then boom you get you know (laughs) you have to be on top of your deck somehow yeah um 
Omneth, Locus of Mana, because I think seven mana is just a lot. So sort of in those big mana green decks, I could see this just having a lot of... And again, Omneth is another card that you could cast off turn timber, and it cuts plus one, plus one on top of the unspent green mana you have, which is interesting. Xenagos, God of Revels, has a lot of big haymakers. Xenagos is already giving things haste, so this is something that you could draw and get you a really big creature. Because it's, it's better than like a generic 7 CMC creature sometimes in that you look at so many cards you can pick a really good one. Yeah, at least you're picking the one that has the most value. Mm-hmm. Um, and in general, like I think just anytime you're playing big mana type decks, this is going to be a card that is going to be fun. Uh, same question. If you have a deck and it has 20 plus creatures in it, is this just playable in it, just like the Seagate Restoration, the blue one? This definitely seems playable. Uh, you, again, have to watch the CMCs because it's CMC 3 or less, so you just have to make sure no, that... No, no, you get any creature. If it's C3 and 3 or less, you get three oh, plus right, 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 counters right. on yeah, it. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I think this is definitely... Uh, you would want to play it in the one that, like, in your in, your, in Ashland's, like, Eldrazi green deck. You want to have a chance to hit a 9 or 10 drop. Yeah, you want to hit the big ones, and if it's the small ones, yeah, sure, you still get a bunch of b- benefit from it, but at least you get whatever you want. I mean, let's say there's a deck that has 20 plus creatures, but they're all five CMC or less. Do you not play this card? Uh, no, I think you still play it because it could be a land. <laughs> it could just be a land. Every single time it's like, do you play it? It's like, well, can it be a land? Yes. Yeah. All right. Fine. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like very playable in a lot of decks. All you need to beat the threshold of, do you have at least 20 creatures? Yeah. Or so. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the next Good job, one. Turn Timber. That Good. might be my favorite one. It's, it's, it's just the classic green. It might be the second best. Man, they're all good. Yeah, they're, they are all good. Okay. All okay. the mythics, I mean. Yeah. Next up is Kazandu Mammoth. One green green for a 3-3 creature elephant with landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, Kazandu Mammoth gets plus two and plus two until end of turn. And on the other end, it's just a tap land that adds a green mana. Not so, excited about this one. <laughs> this is a three mana, three, three. And it landfalls becomes a five five. It's not the type of card in commander that we would normally play, right? Because we don't care that much about a three man three three, even though that's mildly efficient. And honestly, it's going to be a five five turn four five and six probably at least, right? Sometimes a seven seven because if you have fetch lands and things. Yeah, if you're um, if you're playing like a Xenagos deck and you want to just pump up creatures, or or you know, in any red green deck where maybe you can drop three lands a turn, this becomes massive. But it doesn't have trample. Uh, it's not a fantastic synergy with a lot of commander decks just off the top of our heads um i think you wrote down maybe cares about four power or greater decks of which there have been a few these days but because that's like there's decks uh, i put down equipment decks too and that was mm-hmm. one of the things i really liked about the creatures uh in this uh modal dual f- double face card thing is that you know one of the problems you run into when building an equipment deck is you want equipment and you want creatures to put them on because what you don't want ever to have happen is I drew a bunch of creatures but no equipment or I drew a bunch of equipment but no creatures. Right. So anything that fills the role of like, hey, this sometimes can be a creature but it also sometimes can be a land so it takes a land oh, slot. Interesting. So it ups your creature count without upping the number of non-land cards you have in your deck. You know what I yeah. mean? So th- this is a spot where I might think about playing something like that. Even like a Selvala deck maybe would think about this, right? Uh, it mm-hmm. doesn't. The competitive ones don't want tap lands, which is a, a big knock on this. But are there more casual Selvala decks? I was just about to say that. I don't Probably. know that there are. I mean, not to any player at the table that sees it and goes, right. wait, nah, I'm getting rid of that. I don't care. Well, anyway, if you're hurting for a creature, this is the fact that it, you know, when you put it in your deck, you're saying 95% of the time, I'm going to play this as a land. Yeah. But every once in a while i'm gonna just be in need of a creature and this will meet that criteria yeah i'm not too stoked on this one just because it doesn't give you the ability to have it enter the battlefield untapped yeah but again if you're just wanting to put this in a green deck it i, I can't really fault you for it it's it 
is a land a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, depending on how many lands you already have that come into play tapped, if it's not too many, this could make your deck better, mm-hmm. almost any green deck better, just by having a thing that's a creature sometimes. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to the next one, which is Calney Ambush. Two and a green for an instant. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. And it's a land that enters battlefield tapped and taps for green on the other side. Hey. This is a fight spell. Could be a removal spell. Yep. Really good in Nyeth of the Dire Hunt because that cares oh, yeah. about creatures fight, that tribal. fight. Yeah. Um, I think this is very playable just because in green decks, you're likely to have your Kazan- Kazandu Mammoths, the bigger cards that are going to come out. And when they smack something, it's a one set removal spell. Um, and that's sort of like green's way of removing cards uh, in mono green decks and all that. So I, I'm kind of a fan of this. Yeah, I think you need to meet some criteria. Like, you have to have enough creatures, and generally you want those creatures to be big, right? Yeah. But given that you that is the case, and a lot of green decks that is, this is a removal spell that's also on a land. I mean, we're going to say the same things over and over again. The downside of having this in your deck is not huge. Yeah, it, I think it really just comes down for this mold of DFCs is which card do you want to put in your deck and which one can you afford putting in your deck? Um, because you're going to, again, like if you're in a green, red, white deck, there's a lot of choices. So you're going to want to find the ones that fit your strategy the best. And this one, I think, in general, generically not bad as long as you have creatures that can fight and won't die doing so. Mm-hmm. Or if you have like a Death Touch deck. There you go. All right, the next one is Balaged Recovery. It's two and a green for a sorcery. It just says return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Regrowth. And the other side is, again, the tap land that taps for green, Balaged Sanctuary. You're a, you're a big Regrowth fan. Yeah, huge fan of Regrowth. And I think Regrowth for one extra mana, but the downside is I get a, a land on the other side. This is the default one yeah. for green, right? Like, if, you don't, if you're not running any modal double-faced cards in the deck, this will be good in your deck if it if you have green and again if you're replacing a basic land probably with it and you have enough other basics okay a lot of ifs but i can see this just sort of being like good enough to increase your deck by 0.05 percent you know <laughs> well, what I mean? this is the next one i think you could even play without having a replace a land just because it's like hey make sure you always hit your land drops now you have 39 lands in your deck that's a really good point like take the regrowth or even maybe the eternal witness out put this card in and now you just hit your land drop more often you have less games yeah where I definitely you don't you draw your take a regrowth out for this yeah 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 interesting the this next-, ne- next one as well because yep. it is tangled florahedron Oh, it's actually a Hedron that's become a little elemental. That's really cute. It's one in the green for a 1-1 that just taps to add a green mana. It's a mana dork. Yep. And on the back, it's just a land that enters the battlefield tap. So this, I straight up, you could replace a land for without even blinking an eye. Or you could just place it on top if you're a deck that just has lots of mana dorks. Yeah, you, you could replace another two mana mana dork, maybe. Yeah. I don't know that I'd want to, like, Birds of Paradise, Land War Elves. Those are at a different place on the curve. But, mm-hmm. yeah, this just seems... Uh, I think the, the regrowth is a little more... Goes in every single deck. Yeah. But this is, you know, you're always going to want ramp. It's actually, it's a signet. Signets go in basically every deck, right? Yeah, and it's elemental. There's a lot of elemental matters decks, especially the Omnath ones these days, so. But you're like, oh, I have Farseek and this in my hand. I'm going to play this as my land for turn, cast my Farseek. Yeah. Boom. Like, that's great, right? Because if you have Farseek and Ramp growth in your hand, you're not going to be able to play both. Mm -hmm. Whereas you you can with this, so, yeah. Pretty good. Good job, Green. Good Uh, job. Overall, very solid, uh, solid cards across for their modal DFCs. All right, let's talk about red here. 
Okay, this one's actually really exciting. It's Shatter Skull Smashing the Mythic of the Cycle for red. It's X Red Red for a sorcery. Shatter Skull, Shatter Skull Smashing deals X damage divided as you choose among up to two target creatures and or planeswalkers. If X is six or more, Shatter Skull Smashing deals twice X damage divided as you choose among them instead. And of course, the other end, it's a land that can come into play untapped for three life and taps for red mana. So for eight mana if you pay six red red then you deal 12 damage divided amongst uh, creatures as you choose two creatures and and or planeswalkers some restrictions right because it doubles the amount so you can't do like seven and five but right yeah uh yeah this is i mean again it's a land that's in your deck that sometimes like how many games have we been in on game nights extra turns where you're just like can anybody kill that thing because yeah. that thing, Seedborn Muse, whatever, we're just going to lose. And you're like, oh, well, yeah, my land, I would normally want to play this as just a land. But uh, yeah, I'll use it as a removal spell. I'll kill that and that. And then the game will continue and I won't lose. Yeah, this is, I mean, the green one, it's a fight spell. This is Red's version of it, which is direct damage. Um, also, the divided among as you choose mm-hmm. means you can do one damage to one thing and all the rest to another. So decks like Feather the Redeemed all of a sudden make this look yeah. really sweet because it targets Feather and doesn't kill it. Yeah, that's interesting. You want to do one there and five there, and then get it back to my hand. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you might play this in your Fire Song and Sunspeaker deck because yep. it become, gets lifelink all life of a link. sudden. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Heb the Eternal is the type of deck that can make this get a ton of mana and cast it for a huge amount. It doesn't target players, so it's just a little bit awkward there. But I think like the big mana decks, you even wrote your Tim deck, even might want this. Yeah, just because it creates so much mana. You know, often my Tim deck is like, tap this, untap that, tap this, untap that, tap this, untap that. I have 14 mana floating. (laughs) Okay, well, I was going to play this as a land, but I'll just go ahead and cast it now. Yeah, and now you're doing 28 damage or whatever, however much it is, 24 divided amongst two creatures. You can definitely take out some big things. And then early in the game where it doesn't look like I'm just going to play it as a land Mm -hmm. and then just go about my life, right? And it didn't change my deck much other than the upside of being able to kill two creatures at some point in the game. Yeah. All right, the next one is, oh, sorry. I think it's clear, this Mythic, just like the other two, I think basically playable in any deck that has red in it. Um, It is double red for this effect, so maybe if you're not heavy red, you don't Mm -hmm. want it. But the other ones are triple of their color. Yeah. Yeah. and it's just not going to cost you much in deck building to have it. So it's really just a case of like, I don't think you play Seagate Restoration, Timber, what is the green one? Whatever the green one is, and the red one all in the same deck. You just have to pick and choose what fits your deck better. But you, man, it feels like most decks are going to want one of these mythics. Yeah. And I think Sheriff Skull is going to have a pretty big play in Historic Standard, all that. Too. Yeah. It's pretty good. All right. The next one is the Red Rare. It's two and a red for an instance. It's called Valakut Awakening. Put any number of cards from your hand on the bottom of your library, then draw that many cards plus one. That is, this is just a mono red auto staple for the rest of time. I'm pretty Not sure. Not just mono red. This is any red that any deck that has red in it up to three colors, right? Yeah. Any of the, the wheel decks, the mana cost is only two in a red, so you can definitely cast it. Yeah, just a gruel deck just wants that, right? Like, oh, yeah. I just I just would rather have different cards. Yeah, one of them's good. The other three are mediocre. I'm just The fact that boom. replaces itself because yep. it's that many plus one, that's really solid. Yeah, I mean, there is, again, a slight downside to a land that enters the battlefield tapped on the other side, but that's pretty low compared to the upside of this, which is... There's just so many games where you just look at your hand and you're like, ah, I just don't have the right cards right now in this game. Yeah, or like, I don't need a Mandork in turn six. 
just even that, like, right? Like, Valakut winning at instant. It's an instant. You could replace just one card with it, and it'll be worth it, because you get, you know, you replace the card with it back, so. I love that card. That card's going in a lot of decks. Yeah, especially all your wheel decks, like we talked about before. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. All right, next up is Kazool's Fury, two and a red for an instant as an additional ca- cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature. Kazool's Fury deals damage equal to the sacrifice creature's power to any target. So it's a fling that, of course, on the other end, it's just a tap land. Um, I like this card a lot because there's a lot of decks where I'm like, I wish I could put fit a fling effect in this deck. But yeah. fling itself is a pretty narrow card and not great. And there's plenty of instances where you draw the fling and you're like, I don't have a really big creature. This card sucks right now. But yeah. there's plenty of instances where you go, wow, if I could just draw a fling, I will kill that person and win this game. Yeah, or I need to save this creature because I can sack it in response to someone trying to steal it. So that that effect is actually pretty useful, I think. And the, de- the fact that like in the instances where it's not useful, you just play the land side. Mm-hmm. I actually like that card quite a bit. And that's another reason why I'm going to like this next card, which is Song Mad Treachery. Yeah. Three red red for a sorcery. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until end of turn. The other side is the tap land. Taps for red. Very narrow effect. But there are plenty of times where this will kill someone. Or just win you the game or yep. get rid of a game-ending threat. If you have a goblin bombardment and you want just one more threat and effect that isn't going to affect your mana base. Sick. It the problem costs is, a bunch, but it's still very playable. Yeah, that effect, just weighing it with the times when it's completely useless in your hand makes you not play it more often than not just because when it's bad, it's so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now when it's bad, it's not so bad because I just play the land side of the card. Mm-hmm. So again, like Brian Stoutarm, Timurit the Murder King, Anax, Harden in the Forge. These are all decks that want to take creatures. Marchesa. Yeah, Marchesa, sack them, get extra value. And threatened effects work really, really well with that kind of effect. I think I just tend to like these cards where the upside is narrow, like the the front side is very narrow, but has huge upside. Fling has just right. huge upside uh, when it's great. It, when it's good, it's great. But you don't want to waste a spell slot on it because when it's bad, it's so bad. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I'll waste a land slot on it maybe. Yeah, uh, this is definitely going to make for very interesting. I mean, I still think you're casting Star Mag Treachery like eighty nine percent of the time as yeah. a land. But that ten percent when it's not, and someone goes, you top deck that right? Like late game, you're like, oh god, top deck. It's not a land. It's Boom. a threat and effect. I can now do something. I can now survive. I can now win. Whatever it is, just so much better than just a regular mountain. I mean, this episode's coming out after the most recent episode of game nights no it's right before no it's after sweet i can say this um if carolyn top decks or draws that card oh she wins she wins the game yeah that changes the entire dynamic of the end of that game so just think about how good that is and if she draws it early it's just a tap land and probably doesn't affect the game in any way negatively for her yeah yeah Yeah. all right let's talk about the white ones the white mythic Amiria's Call and Amiria Shattered Skyclave. So Amiria's Call is four white, white, white for a sorcery, seven mana. Create two four four white angel warrior creature tokens with flying. Non-angel creatures you control gain indestructible until your next turn. So not until end of turn. You get a full turn cycle here. So this is actually pretty interesting. This, especially in multiplayer, means that your creatures now have indestructible for uh, Mel's turn, Josh's turn, and Craig's turn. Seven mana, you get eight power worth of angel warrior creature tokens and on the other end it's just a tap land that comes into play untapped for white if you pay three life i mean obviously this goes into token decks yep because you could also if you have doubling season parallel lives and in procession uh those are the type of decks where hey i'll pay seven mana to get four angels or whatever that's pretty good yeah tristani amara winota oh. could play this as well 
But again, any deck with white in it, at least enough white that it can conceivably get to white, white, right. white as a cost. Why don't you, you have to play this? Right? Like, it's Why just not? so broadly good. And uh, you're right about the indestructible until your next turn is kind of a big deal. Yeah, great blockers. If you're, I mean, like now you also have two 4 4 blockers in the air as well. So this could be like a late game, like, boom, I saved my life for a whole turn cycle. Now I have this massive army to attack with. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a good card. I, there's not much to say about it that we didn't say about the other mythics. Yeah, and again, like if you're ever like, oh, but it's overcosted for what it is. It's like, well, on the other end of it, it is not overcosted. On the other end it's of it, land. it's just the land. Yeah. yeah. All right. The next one is Ondu Inversion. Six white white for a sorcery. Destroy all non-land permanents. Oh. Other side is the land that has to enter the battlefield tap and taps for only white mana. So every white deck again. That this wants this the board is wipe? yeah. To me, this is like because when you need that board wipe to save you like you're going to lose the game if you don't cast that spell yeah and the reason people don't like board wipes is that if you're ahead or winning or your board's in the best position yeah it's dead in your hand and the fact that eh, just play the land side then of this and it's not that bad right it comes to play tapped but it saves you from losing in the other scenario it's very similar to the treachery effect or whatever where mm -hmm. it's like the upside is so high but we don't like it because of the downside well this takes away so much of the downside that yeah i just think like it's it's really good yeah so so far almost every single one of the mythics and rares have been playable in decks just as just like throw it in replace a land with it even yep it's pretty good i do like your plan we'll talk about this later though yeah. about counting it as a spell still and just having your deck have 40 lands in it then yeah because you know three or four of your cards are lands on one side always gonna hit land drops yep i need that kabir takedown is next it's one in the white for an instant and it says kabir takedown deals damage equal to the number of creatures you control the target creature or planeswalker uh, the other end it's kabir plateau a land that enters and the battlefield tapped and taps for a white so just a removal spell, a little bit overcosted, but it is an instant. You have to have enough creatures, right? Because yeah, that's it, the one. Yeah, it counts the number of creatures you have, but but playable token just, decks again. Just yeah. do it. <laughs> just like the fight spell, just slip it in there. McKinney Stampede is the next one. Three white white for a sorcery creatures you control get plus two plus two until end of turn. Other side, tap land that taps for white. It's called McKinney Mesas. Um, you know, in token decks, there's often the same balance similar to equipment decks. Mm -hmm. You know. You've got cards that make tokens and cards that pump all your tokens. And you usually have v relatively few cards that pump all your tokens because... You don't want those with a dead board. Right. So those are just less uh, reliable because if you draw, you know, as, as strong as Crater Hope Behemoth is, if you draw it without a lot of creatures on the board, it's not that great. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you draw the token creators with no pump you're still doing stuff and you can still win by just tacking with 40 creatures even if they're one ones. Yeah. So this is just a card that goes in all those token decks because it takes away some of the downside of those pump effects. It's giving me some Lion King vibes. Yeah, it totally <laughs> is. Timba! <laughs> Sorry, it may, may re-traumatize some people out there. All right, next up is Sejiri Shelter. One in a white for an instant target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. I mean, again, it's slightly more expensive than like a God's Willing or whatever. But not you, much, but yeah. But not much, right? You're going to play this in your Shu Yun deck. You're going to play this in your Feather deck. And when it's not playable, it becomes a land. And it just protects your commander. I mean, if you... Most decks are decks that rely on their commander. So just having some protection for it that, again is flexible mm -hmm. in the times where you're like, oh, I need to hit the land drop, I just play this card. Yeah, and also, like, the protection thing is interesting if someone happens to use a enchantment that taps it down, you can get protection from that color, and then the enchantment falls off. So there's a little bit of upside there, too. But if you have a spot to play your land tapped where it's not going to cost you, play your tap land side of that card. It's yeah. only in your deck for the times when, like, 
you definitely don't need the land drop mm-hmm. it's later in the game or whatever and now it's like way better than just drawing a land yeah all right the last white card and i only want to talk about it for one reason is skyclave cleric one in a white for a one three one enters the battlefield you gain two life tap land on the other side again equipment decks i put this in my akiri deck because i just want bodies that can hold equipment right but i don't want to put 30 creatures in my deck or 35 because then I don't have any slots left over for equipment. So this is like, oh, most of the time I'm expecting I have better creatures out and equipment out already and I just play the land side of this. But in those situations where like, I got two equipment but they killed my creatures. Well, now I can play this as a creature and put some equipment on it. At least I'm doing stuff. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, Also, I'm sure there's some shenanigans because it enters the battlefield and gains you life for those infinite flicker type decks too. Yeah. So there's, there's a spot for it. All right. This next, we're going to black. We're almost done here. I think this is the best of the Mythic Bunch. Mm. Let's see if you agree. It's Agadim's Awakening. Black, 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 and X. It's a sorcery. Return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of target creature cards that each have a different converted mana cost, X or less. So if I play this for X is equal to 7, that's 10 mana, but if I did that, I could get a 7 drop, a 6 drop, a 5 drop, a 4 drop, a 3 drop, a 2 drop, a 1 drop, and a 0 drop. Yes. All onto the battlefield. Battlefield. Yeah, you can get 0 drops. Uh, This is very similar to Gruesome Menagerie, uh, which allows you to get a CMC 1, 2, and 3 to the battlefield. Um, I think this is the most powerful because there's the most text behind it in terms of all the combos we found. (laughs) There's so many combos with it. Yeah, so again, on the other side, Agadim, the Undercrypt, is just a land that comes in the battlefield tapped unless you pay 3 life to tap for black mana. So So it even can become a land. Yeah, it's it's the untapped land is possible on this card. This is like every deck that can create a lot of black plays this. Uh, I guess you have to have creatures. You got to have 20 plus creatures or so, but... Oh my gosh, here we go. I mean, look, if you ha- you can get a Walking Ballista and a Viserysir for really cheap, yep. right? Because that's like a, uh, a zero cost and a one cost. So you can just cast this for one black, black, black and get two combo pieces out of your graveyard, Ugh. which is pretty powerful. And if you have Micaeus out, boom, you're just going to start winning. Uh, yep. And then you've got all the, the decks that are just filling their graveyards with creatures. So the Caridors and the mm-hmm. Marins and the Gisa and Geralt and all that stuff, right? Yeah, and if you're casting it for six, uh, you can get Viserysir plus Malira and Kitchen Finks. And oh, that's boy. just immediately infinite. And if you have a Blood Artist type effect on board, you just win. Um, you've cast it for seven, you can get the same combo, but now you add a Murderous Red Cap because that's a four drop as opposed to a three drop. If you get eight plus, then you can just get all these Kiki Jiki combos. So like this card just says win the game on it in like a bunch of different ways. If yeah, you true, like Revel Arcs and uh, Karmic Guides and stuff yeah. too, right? Like you, you, you get all these recursive pieces back out of your graveyard that get you into the loops that make you win again. Yeah, that card is nutso, nutso. I think yeah, the best I'm, of the bunch out. I'm playing it in a lot of decks. Yeah, for sure. Marchesa for sure as well. <laughs> um, all right, we got two more black cards to talk about here. Okay, this this one is also very good. Mm-hmm. It's Hagra Mauling, two black, black for an instant. This spell costs one less to cast if an opponent controls no basic lands. Looking at you, Josh. Destroy a target creature. So it's just a murder. One black, black, instant murder, and then it's a land on the other side. Yeah, that I think a lot of games tapped. that's going to be two black, black. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, but still, two black, black for like i've played utter end index and stuff and so just the fact that what we keep saying just another removal spot yep. s- slot spell that can also be a land yep that's great i actually like this one a lot so it's malakir rebirth one black for an instant choose target creature you lose two life until end of turn that creature gains when this creature dies return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control and it's the tap land for black on the back called malakir mire so cheap instant speed saves your creature or 
if you've got like a Gary or a Kokusho, mm-hmm. you actually purposefully proactively cast it and then sack it yourself. Um, yeah, I just like this card a lot. I just think there's a lot of instances where this can do a ton of work for you. And then when you're not in those instances, obviously you just play the land side. Yeah, Kokusho seems really sweet with this. Masker Girl as well. Oh, yeah. That. There's just, I mean, this is an effect that um, in Limited, you're like, ah, I don't want this effect. But in Commander, when you're able to rebuy Enter the Battlefield effects, you can definitely do a lot of good with this. I think in Limited, you want this effect because it's on a land, though, right? So that, yeah. like, when you draw it on turn eight, you're like, oh, it can do something rather than just give me yeah, exactly, land yeah. a Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a combat trick in a way. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's all the cards we're going to talk about. There were obviously a bunch that we skipped. Let's let's just go into a broad discussion here now that we've seen a bunch of the cards. Um, are modal double face cards good? Yes. Just generically very, very good. Um, yeah, I think I think it's probably going to be incorrect. Like, people are going to do it, obviously, but I think almost every deck will be better if it has at least a modal double face card than if it doesn't. Yeah, again, the downside is so minimal. It's not taking up a land slot. Uh, it's not taking up a spell slot. It's just in this weird position where you can be like, yeah, no worries, it's a land when I need it. The tapped ability isn't the worst as long as my deck isn't doesn't need to be super hyper-efficient. I can probably have that as a downside. Helps you hit land drops more and just gives you more power to your deck. Fills in another slot of card draw, removal, whatever it is. So I think the question's going to be like, how many of these can you put into a deck? When are which ones good? Because once you get into like three colors, you actually have 18 cards plus the the choice lands, mm-hmm. you know, to choose from. And you definitely don't want to run all 18 modal double face cards because there is diminishing returns. You don't want that many lands in your deck that come into play tapped. You know, if you build a deck and you have 37 lands, let's say, uh, and 12 of them come into play tapped, you know, that's a lot. That's about as many as you would ever want. Like, you probably don't want more than 10 that come into play tapped if you can help it. But if you're at five coming to play tapped, it doesn't change your deck much to have one or two more coming to play tapped. So, obviously, like, there's a lot of calculations to be made. How many do you think... I mean, it's, it's hard to answer, but, like, it's every how deck's do you think we run different. these? Yeah. I'm personally not trying to put more than two to three in most decks, and unless it's a very specific scenario where the deck is, like, Kefnet or is wanting to try and bounce lands and do, like, put, you know, the sort of the... those sorts of effects in there, I don't want to run too many. So I, I would say, like... Anywhere between two to three. And I'm, I'm definitely choosing the ones that synergize the best with my deck, not just the ones that are like, yeah, I could have an extra threat and effect. Like, if I don't have sack outlets in that deck, it's much less enticing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think most decks are probably correct to have two to three. Uh, you know, obviously the mythics are all fine because... They're so powerful. Yeah, and the and the, the downside of land comes into play tapped is not even there. Uh, yeah. three, three mana, or sorry, three life is considerable amount even in commander that you have to at least think about it as a downside but like we all play you put ancient tomb in every single deck if you could right (laughs) yeah and and that does a lot more than you would put mana crypt as well yeah so i think i think if you count the mythics like every deck should have and when i say should obviously we don't have unlimited cards right and we don't have unlimited dollars Mm -hmm. so even you know i'm not going to own unlimited amount of the mythics so i'm going to have to pick and choose among my 27 28 decks you know, which ones go into. But in the magical Christmas land world where I had, you know, 27 of each of the mythics. Right. Then every deck I think should have to be at maximum op- optimacy, optimus, optimization. Optimus Prime. Should have at least one of those mythics, maybe two. Yeah. That's how good they are. Even if they don't synergize very well, because that downside of land comes in and play tapped is not even there. So I think, yeah, I really believe that a lot of these are going to see play and most decks should have 
three, four of them, maybe, if you count the mythics, maybe even five. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't go just like one of these for a landslot either, necessarily. There are times where, yeah, you can maybe go down one or two lands, but I think doing that too much is also a very risky thing to do. If anything, I, I would just say up your land count, you know? I love that, actually, just like replacing a couple of spells with these and a couple of lands with these. So now I'm running four, and my deck has virtually 39 lands, 40 lands. Right. Whereas it had 37, 38 before, mm-hmm. and... That's just, I think that's just going to make your deck just a lot smoother. You, you just won't have as many games where you miss your fourth or fifth land drop, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is a big, big deal. I think you lose most games where you miss your fifth land drop. I think that's like a death knell for most games. Yeah, that is a very important land to hit. Um, there are a lot of decks that very specifically like these cards. Goblin Charbelcher is one oh, that yeah. <laughs> is like all about revealing cards from the top of your library to reveal a land card. And it's like a Lands Matters deck. Um, so you put in all these in that deck because they yeah. <laughs> are lands you can play that don't stop the Charbelcher effect. Yeah. Going, yeah. Um, if you have Crucible of Worlds or are playing Raymond of Excavator, this is just, you got to play these cards for sure. Yep. Um, same with any of your play more lands a turn type cards, Oracle of Moldiah, because then you really don't care if it comes into play tap because you're playing two, three lands that turn. Courser of Crufix can play and, on and top. And you want your land density to be higher so that your Courser of Crufix and Oracle of Moldiah have a just better hit. chance to hit. Yeah, And totally. it's like, oh, well, if seven of my spells are also lands on the other side, that's just more chance for those cards to give me value, yeah? Yeah, Moldrotha, Yuriko, oh, yeah. a lot of those cards, again, just like these are very solid puts into all of them. So those are the decks that especially want yeah. MDFCs. Now, are there any decks that, you know, especially don't want MDFCs? Um, I'd say, like, we wrote down the newest Omnath because he's all about the landfall triggers. Yeah, but I think he again. does want them, yeah, right? Yeah, like, right. You just want to put more. I, I can't actually think of many, unless you're going to, uh, maybe if you're playing a super competitive EDH deck that just cannot afford to have a single land ever enter the battlefield untapped. Then you could still play the Mythics. Yes, as yeah. long as the mythics aren't like, I would say like a seven mana spell in the mythic is maybe a little too much. Seagate Restoration maybe a little too expensive. But it combos well with cards that are played a lot in that format, like Lab yeah. Man, Jace Wield of Mysteries, Thassa's Oracle. Although usually when those cards work, you're going into some kind of combo and you don't need a Seagate Restoration. Yeah, you don't need seven yeah. mana to play it. But yeah. again, in those Ag decks Dream's too, Awakening, though, gets played in CDH, I bet. Oh, as just like a backup, like, hey, I'll get all my combo pieces back and win. That's Yeah, fine. again, for four mana, the fact that you can get a Ballista and a Viserysir back is really powerful. So Yeah, it's interesting. There's I don't think there's too many decks that do not want these cards. And then there's, um, there's a bunch of cards that just kind of get better if you're playing a number of these and it might cause you to play even more of these in your deck if you have these cards already. So like bounce lands get decently better, right? Because if you draw a bounce land on turn eight or nine and you're like, hey, I'm going to play my bounce land. I'm going to bounce my Seagate uh, restoration back to my hand and now I can cast it or my or the regrowth one yeah so many yeah yeah the regrowth one's great because then now I'm going to oh I'm going to get this out of my graveyard so my bounce land just basically was a regrowth yeah my bounce land is not just an extra land slot or an extra land in my hand because I was able to draw land I actually got a spell out of it yeah that I'm going to cast right now yeah Um, and anything that can bounce lands later in the game so we're talking about like capsize with buyback yep yep venser shaper savant Mm -hmm. can bounce lands uh if you're playing Maloku in your deck, which bounces lands for other effects, anything that can bounce a land all of a sudden just, man, capsize gets quite a bit better. I just, oh, I just pointed out my own thing yeah, with boun- buyback. Bounce lands and you have more landfall triggers as well. It just seems like they lands really did matter to the design team when it came to Zendikar Rising this time around. Also, things like um, Zern Orb maybe gets a little bit better. Strip Mine, I think, even gets a little better. Because let's say you're in a situation and somebody's about to they're doing that thing they're comboing off what's yeah. the uh 
What's the counterspell one? Iwari Disruption. Okay, so... Jawari Disruption. Jawari sorry. Disruption. So let's say you played it as a land early in the game, and it's on the battlefield, and somebody has cast Expropriate, taps out to do it, and you go, I'll strip mine my Jawari Ruins, I'll play Snapcaster Mage or something. Yeah, or I'll Maloku it back to my hand, I'll replay it. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like Strip Mine's Wastelands, Zurn Orbs, things that can kind of get car your lands into your graveyard somehow just become a little bit better because now you have these play patterns that you're not going to do all that that often mm-hmm. but at least it's available to you whereas if you drew your snapcaster didn't have uh, a yep. other counter spell in your graveyard you're just kind of hosed this is like oh well in some circumstances i will turn this land into a spell in my graveyard and then get that out of my graveyard yep and it's good for you now as well if you're trying to strip mine someone else they're trying to play a bounce land or turn a land you're like well hold on or like they're trying yep. to bounce something like you can get rid of their very special lands so i think land destruction is on the up and up is on the up and up. not mass land destruction <laughs> not <mass. laughs> all right so one thing we wanted to say sort of uh you know, we've wrapped this up now. We've talked about modal dual face cards. I think mm-hmm. we're going to see, or double face cards, we're going to see a lot of them. We wanted to make sure everybody knows that Wizards has said there are going to be more of these coming in future sets. Okay. So specifically, Morrow announced, uh, I believe on his blog, that they've got modal double face cards coming out for the next two sets after Zendikar Rising. So Kaldheim and Strixhaven will have these. He also said that those uh, MDFCs won't necessarily all be lands on one side. Whoa, so we get spell, spell, creature, creature. Creature sorcery, creature enchantment. We don't know how that's going to pan out. I think they're going to finish the cycle of the choice lands, the lands lands on both sides. Yeah, Yeah. to do the last four of those. But after that, who knows how this looks like. And it changes the evaluation again if there's sorceries on both sides or mm-hmm. some, or a sorcery and an enchantment or whatever. Or so that's an instant in the sorcery, right? There's a lot to consider. I'm really excited, and Strixhaven makes a lot of sense for this. Yeah. All the wizards are just playing with the spells and making weird things happen. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to the listeners, what do you think of the MDFCs, the modal double-faced cards? Do you think it's a staple mechanic, and you'll basically be running uh, at least a couple of these in every deck? Yes. Or do you think they're going to be <laughs> more... You Maybe I think there are people out there that think they're going to be more narrow than that and don't see them seeing as much play like to hear from you twitter on the comments below this video wherever you want to get at us especially if you've been playing them already because uh the set's coming out very soon so or at least by the time this is out the set is out yeah it's been out for a little while yeah i know they're really good in draft i'll tell you that oh yeah i've been watching the the streamers play them in draft and every time like they they'll they'll get their first opening hand it's like seven spells you're like wait you can't play that and they're like well thank god three of these are lands i'm like whoa that just made your first hand keep so much better yeah if you have seven eight nine mdfc's in your draft deck it's your deck is really good as long as they're you know on color yeah um okay anyway and you don't mind being a little behind with the tap land now if you want to get a hold of all of these cards the place to do it is cardkingdom.com slash command zone you know especially the mythic ones i think everybody's got stars in their eyes they they know what decks they want to put them in right yeah. away and your crucible of worlds now is the time to pick them oh, up oh boy get crucible right now because if they don't reprint that it's going to go through the roof just based on all these cards. Zendikar Rising really made the stock on Crucible of Worlds go way, way up. So it was recently reprinted, but as that time period from when it was reprinted gets farther away, the price is just going to go up. So cardkingdom.com slash command zone is the place to order any and all of your magic products in singles. Booster boxes. Mm -hmm. uh, Been hearing good things about set boosters. I haven't opened any myself, but Vinny texted me the other day and was like, hey man, set boosters are super cool and they're fun to play Pygow Magic with. Yeah, because they're very themed around specific things. I guess so. I don't know why, but... Much more playable. Yeah, I think there's just more rares and stuff in it, which makes it more fun. Yeah. 
Uh, and of course, if you want to protect those cards, especially those crucibles or anything else you're buying, those special foils, the brand new commanders from the Zenicar Rising uh, commander uh, sort of pre-cons, lots of awesome new cards. Make sure you put them into Ultra Pro sleeves, put them into Ultra Pro deck boxes, play them on your sweet new Ultra Pro playmats. For those of you that missed out, the Epic Play Playmat Kickstarter is now over. Oh, yeah, but sorry we'd like that. to give a big shout-out to everyone that, that contributed. Uh, I know Jesper was personally blown away by the response. We are as well, and the art, of course, is amazing. And we always have trusted Ultra Pro from the beginning. And a lot of people are like, oh, you guys have to offer a stitched edge playmat. We're like, we've never needed it. We still have playmats from our very first Kickstarter three or four years ago that look and function just as well. And we've taken them to conventions and all that stuff. We really do stand by the quality of Ultra Pro's products. And that's why we endorse them every one of our shows. And you can support our podcast, Game Nights, Extra Turns, all of our content by just purchasing Ultra Pro product yourself. Easy as that. Yeah, definitely for sure. There's nobody better than Ultra Pro. All right, finally, make sure if you are a patron of the show that you take advantage of this opportunity to audition for Game Nights. We're going to choose a lucky fan, just as we have the last few years, to be a guest on Game Nights next year. The only requirement, well, there's two, like you said. One, number one is you have to be 18 years or older. Sorry, that's a legal thing. We would would have that go away if we could, but we can't. the other requirement is that you need to be a patron of the command zone. So patreon.com slash command zone, but you can be a patron at any level. So $1 per month will get you eligible to audition for game nights. And, uh, you know, it's really funny every time the fans come every single year, like you said it earlier, but it's totally true. It's one of my favorite episodes that we do it's each amazing. and every year. And, uh, it's, it's really fun. We, the people have come on and have had a great time. Uh, we give them a bunch of swag from wizards and ultra pro. We get to hang out and play not just the game we play on camera, but we also, Hopefully, you know, because of the pandemic, we're going to play this by ear, but we usually gather like all the game nights that are in the area, like DJ and Kyle and everybody else. And we have a big game night the night before. So it's a really fun experience. Um, If you can audition at all, I would recommend it. Yeah. And it's okay to sign up for the Patreon for the sole purpose of auditioning for the show. Yeah, totally fine. We, yeah, again, that's just a way so that we just, you know, if we opened it up to everyone, we would never see the end of the auditions. And then we, we would... can't go through 10,000 auditions. So yeah. it's a way to sort of limit it. And also our patrons really do keep us running around here. And that's a way to say thank you to them. Yep. Okay. End step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I got someone. Oh, sweet. So, not someone. I got something. All right. You in fact, us. it was the first time in Emmy's history that a single show swept every single award that it could. It was crazy. It was crazy. I just started watching it. I just got to the second I, season. I haven't watched it, but we, me and my girlfriend would be like, well, we have to watch that show now. You you really do. It's fantastic. It's called Shit's Creek. It's I'm not swearing, everyone. It's S-C-H-I-T-T-S. It's actually dollar signs, yeah. C-H-I-T-T-S. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a family that is headed by Eugene Levy and his wife is played by Catherine O'Hara. His son is played by Eugene Levy's son, Dan Levy, who also wrote and created the show with him. And they are a like $100 million family that gets bankrupted and has to move to a joke town that he bought for his son as a gift called Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like this mix of Arrested Development and uh, like Parks and Recreation. And it's hilarious. It's, it's really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched a single episode, but I've heard people talking about it over the years and now it won a million awards. So yeah, I'm going to be just like you. Full sweep. I was like, what? We literally, my girlfriend and I were like, okay, well tomorrow night, uh, what time do you get off work? Okay. We're going to watch episode one. Nice. And they're all 20 minute episodes. Also, if you guys are fans of like, yeah, if you're fans of like best in show or any of those movies before, amazing. uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are the husband wife couple to have the Yorkshire Terrier in best in show. And they still have this amazing husband wife chemistry. That is, it's just hilarious. 
Okay, that's great. Yeah, the characters are the ones where you first are like, I hate every single one of them. They're just, and then after two episodes, you're like, wait, they're all great. They're all great, (laughs) great characters. All right, that's awesome. Uh, Shit's Creek, check it out on Netflix. All right, big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team, which is Ashlyn Rose, Craig Brand. Craig Blanchett. I can Craig say it, Craig. Plant Sorry. Ironworks. Craig probably doing the bulk of the editing on this episode. If it's not him, it's going to be Manson Lung. We've also got Lady Danger, Jake Boss, Josh Murphy, Alfred Estaca, Patrick Nahn, and Sam Waldo. What a fam. Love them all. And, of course, big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer and Sam Waldo. Sam Waldo actually did this specific animation that yep. lives behind us on set, uh, which I just get entranced by sometimes. It's really fun to watch. We, we were excited because I was like, we've never done underwater before. Let's yeah. try that. And, you, and, and it's course, easy for me to say because I'm just like, let's try that. And by let's, I mean you, Sam. <laughs> well, Sam knocked it out of the park. And uh, you can see Jeffrey's animations at the beginning of our episode as well on li- uh, YouTube.com slash The Command Zone Podcast. And you can find Jeffrey on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. Woo! Good one. All right, everybody, that should do it for our Zendikar Rising set review shows. Only uh, three of them in five hours total or so. (sighs) Fun times. Fun times. Thanks all for watching. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.